everybody, and welcome to Walton Biz Talk, where we have casual conversations about professional things. We're a student-run podcast created by the Business Communication Lab in the Sam M. Walton College of Business. My name is Ryan Decker. And I'm Jesse Schneeblin. And our topic this season is sustainability. Thank you all for joining us today. Uh, to get started, can you just tell us a little bit about uh, yourself, organization, and the role that you have at your organization? Hey, uh, my name's Tom Rohr. I am the founder of Food Loops, and Food Loops is a company that focuses on food waste and creating uh, sustainable solutions for that. So my background is I'm a salesperson. I worked for 25 years in CPG sales, and then I worked for Walmart for about nine years. So after that, I was looking for a big problem. I'm, I probably didn't enter this the most sustainable person in the world, although I, I did definitely care about that. But I was looking for a big problem, and what I found was about 30% of all food that is produced ends up in the landfill in one form or another, and there wasn't really a lot of activity behind that. So um, got involved to uh, see what the problem was specifically, see if we could have if we could find some partners and build a business around that. Uh, so I'm Michael Krause, uh, project manager with Food Loops, and uh, been there since the beginning with Tom. Uh, from you know, we started in 2017 uh, with with. I think the one number we really knew was that there was 80,000 tons of food waste that went into our local landfill every year. Uh, and there's a refed document out uh, maybe from 2017 that says 52 million tons in the United States every year. And so those, and, and only about 2% of food waste is composted in the United States. So that, that leaves a big, <laughs> that leaves a big problem. Uh, and in terms of my background, uh, you know, the story I tell the most is that in college, uh, which I, I went to school here, I was a part of a uh, local group called Feed Communities, and my and my job there uh, job uh, was I hauled food waste around on a bicycle. I'd pick it up from res- restaurants, <laughs> and I would take it to our little local uh, small compost plot and I would turn it by hand and I'd sweat a lot um, and not a lot's changed so <laughs> but you're not doing it on a bike anymore right <laughs> no okay. bike is far removed okay yes. good yeah. well, well my name is Andrew Lipson I'm with uh, Chartwell's higher education dining here on campus part of uh, compass group a global company so um, you know sustainability has been something that from a global scale we have a lot of support um, and a lot of directives from as well with corporate social responsibility and just sustainability more so than just the food waste piece of it, which I think encompasses everything. It's interesting when you said, Ryan, that um, people don't know what sustainability is. And I think it's, there's so many different ways to define it. I think that's what's confusing for people. Uh, My background, I've been in campus dining for 25 years and in food service for way longer than that. Um, And so we are very passionate about managing waste, uh, feeding our community with our programs that we do. And then also we've been with a pilot program with Peter Nierengarten with the city uh, with an accelerated composting program with a lot of our food waste. So I'm interested in hearing the dialogue today and see how we can create some synergies and just educate some people on on better behavior when it Mm -hmm. comes to managing food waste and, and 
all those types of things. Yeah. I'm curious, uh, just because this number, which we're all sort of centered around this 80,000 tons just in the local landfill, what happens to food waste? Like, what happens to food waste in the landfill? Like, why is this? Why is it a problem? Yeah, like, why is it a problem? And, and can you tell us, like, maybe a little bit about that? Uh, one of the biggest issues you have is you don't have a, you know, you don't have somebody to export it. Right. And, and, and where do you, people that want to be involved in that type of business is, is a big piece. And then these guys know much better than I do probably, but the contamination factor of how that can be composted gets complicated with the behaviors of individuals when they mix trash with compostable foods and mm-hmm. all that. And that's, that's the biggest hurdle in this whole piece, right? right? It's the education piece. So, okay. yeah, yeah, that how to get the food waste out yes. is real tough. Uh, and then if you don't, you know, going back to this landfill question, when food goes to a landfill, um, it it is an anaerobic, meaning it does not receive oxygen. So this process where it creates methane, that methane is emitted, uh, which is a more potent greenhouse gas than CO2 is, right? So that that's an issue from just that standpoint. And then also we're losing a resource, Right. So this is something that can be composted. It can be. And in the composting process, it's an aerobic process, meaning it does get oxygen, does not release methane. So it solves that issue. And then we're taking a valuable resource, converting it into compost, which we can now grow, you know, more plants and and add that to lawns and gardens and and landscapes and things. So, you know, there's a win-win when we when we do figure out that system to divert it. Yeah. And I think another important thing is it includes a lot of uh, waste that is not edible. It's not like all the food waste could go to, you know, poor people and feed them. Right. And really, the healthier that you eat, the more food waste you create because you can't eat a carrot top or a, or mm-hmm. the peels and all, all those kind of things. So where there's food, there's going to be some waste. Mm-hmm. Now, can we salvage that, and are we all for that? Absolutely, we are. And there are some dining trends now where, um, and you know, most uh, I would say I've seen a lot of it out of New York City and LA, where they're taking you know banana peels and using them in the cooking process, or they're taking mm-hmm. you know carrot shreds and and doing different things with them to try to use one hundred percent of the food, or they're using the ugly produce that, mm-hmm. you know, that we're trying to work with our local produce vendor on, you know, how can we get some of the produce that's just getting plowed under that mm-hmm. doesn't look pretty on the shelf, but nobody cares if we take it and cut it and use it. So mm-hmm. that's something that we're trying to do as an organization. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and the awareness is just, is just raising now. I yeah. think, you know, in the United States, we have a lot of space and this is a messy business and not everybody would want to be in that mm-hmm. business. So from a convenience point of view, up till now, you know, we live in a society that, you know, is, is likes disposable things or one-use things. And so it's been easy to throw that away. Yeah. But there's a better way, and, and, and I think that's what we're talking about now. Right. Yeah, yeah. And it is, it is the consumer waste that's the – you probably have the percentage – but it's the consumer waste that's probably eighty to eighty-five percent of what goes into the landfills than the than the pre-production waste from a kitchen. Yeah. So, yeah. so it, you know, it's interesting that you bring that up in the Fayetteville study that we really base a lot of our numbers on. the The amount of commercial waste is actually equal to the amount of residential waste. Mm-hmm. And at Food Loops, we're really focusing on commercial. Mm-hmm. You know, what one of the observations that I had early on was. Uh, sustainability, whatever your definition of, was a very personal thing. And people like Michael, 
would do extraordinary things to be live sustainable mm-hmm. lives. That's and that's great, and we totally support that. But if you're going to solve that big commercial problem, you have to engage with with corporations. Mm-hmm. And so I think um, part of part of uh, our traction so far is that we're talking to a lot of corporate partners who are interested in solutions for the things that we're talking about talking about having solutions. So we try to meet them where they are and help them be more sustainable. And, and so we're getting a lot of traction with that. But, you know, what we want to do is we want to look at the big food waste, the, you know, the food waste that comes out of University of Arkansas is substantial. And, you know, we would want to help in any way. But, you know, we're talking to, um, you know, a lot of our customers are customers that you would recognize who have, you know, tons of food waste on an ongoing basis. And, and, and that's where our focus is. Do you find that that food waste is consumer or pre-consumer waste that you're getting out of the commercial? So so we do both. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I think when we start somewhere, we go A, B, C. A is let's do back of the house. right? Mm-hmm. So let's get the easy stuff out first. Okay, then let's go to the Can next step. Can we define those a little bit just for our listeners? Yes. So, like, what do you what yes. does that mean? So that would mean what are chefs producing before it's eaten? Okay. Right. So the peels and, and the tops and you know the bones and things like that. Okay. That stuff's easy. We put a bin. We can capture that all over here. You know. Uh, then uh, it depends on the restaurant or how they serve food. So if they're in a space where they're using reusables, well, then phase two is easy, right? Because mm-hmm. then they bring that to the back. They scrape their food waste into the same bin. We've got that. Um, but we, we work with a handful of people uh, that they use a lot of disposables, right? And so those things are either leaving or they're staying in that place and getting thrown in the trash. And that, in that scenario, you know, we work with them to replace their traditional plastics, their mm-hmm. traditional, you know, plates and things with compostable products, and they make a compostable product for portion cups and cutlery and right. hot cups and cold cups, clamps, anything you can think of. Um, and so, you know, what we try to do is outfit those folks with compostable materials, which makes it easier so we can get that into the right bin. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'll say one other thing on that point uh, that, is, that is very Food Loop specific is that we don't use the color green. Right. So the color green is a confusing color. <laughs> <laughs> right, it, there are trash companies what that use mean? green. <laughs> yeah, there are recycling companies that use the color green. Green is for energy. Green is for everything, and and that is okay. But we decided very early on. Okay, Food Loops. Our color is going to be red. Mm-hmm. Red is an alarming color. It says something different. You think, okay, I got to go and stop, and then we have signage that's that looks a little more. You know, there are pictures of things on there, mm-hmm. so it takes a. You know, there's a different moment. That you that you have a cognitive moment before you go to that trash can and you think about what's going on, but for us, I think we would we would agree on this that the system is the most important thing. We don't want to rely on the people reading signs. Right. We want to rely on the system to do the work for us. Yeah. And I think another business that has become substantial for us about twenty five percent of our business is events and right. using these compostable products at events. When people throw their food away, they can throw away their plate and their utensils and their whole thing, and we'll grind all that up mm-hmm. and make compost out of that. So, in Northwest Arkansas, with all the with the university and also the corporate influence that you have here, you have at least 450 substantial events, 
And so we're working with a lot of those events to make them what, what they would call zero waste. Mm-hmm. And, and that would be where they would recycle everything that they could. Right. Mm-hmm. I was just at the Meet the Momentary event yeah. this past Saturday, and I saw the waste tents. Mm-hmm. I didn't know it was y'all until yeah. until this week, us. actually, when I saw pictures. I was like, dang it. Um, but yeah, I saw they would, whenever we had food from the food trucks, they had people coming and collecting in tubs, yep. the food waste and separating them. Um, and then I'm assuming taking and composting yep. them. So that was really cool to see. We diverted 89% of the waste from that event. Wow. wow. That's incredible. It's actually, we usually do about 90, 95. So I was, mm-hmm. I was a little bummed. It was a little <laughs> there, but. Seems like a lot to us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Um, I'm, I'm curious, can you tell us, uh, Mr. Lipson, a little bit about Chartwells and your sustainability initiatives? Well, one of our initiatives is we have a program called Waste Not, mm-hmm. where our chefs are measuring on a weekly basis their pre-production waste. Uh, we don't mix consumer waste with our waste, so it's strictly what we're controlling in the kitchen. And they have guidelines on what the percentage is. Mm-hmm. They do a report every week that they fill out that goes to corporate and you know, that's monitored and it's part of their key performance indicators in managing the percentage of waste to the amount of food that we're using. Is that kind of that like A? Yes. That'd be the A and the ABC. Okay. The back of the, so that, that's definitely one of the initiatives that we have as far as controlling waste. We also, um, you know, globally uh, participate in, in uh, food waste mm-hmm. day. Um, I think we have 34 countries that participated in it from the compass group worldwide and so our goal every year is to you know just teach behavior you know especially when you think about our dining facilities where you know they back when you and i were in school it was all you care to eat we, we try to use the terms all you choose to eat because we're not stopping anybody from coming mm. up 15 times we're, we're trying to teach people to be more mindful about what they take mm. and it's interesting that over the years we've moved to letting students serve themselves and students typically take probably less than our people would serve them. Mm-hmm. Um, for whatever the psychological reason is behind it, <laughs> yeah. students are a little bit more aware and a little bit more mindful. Um, so we've moved toward that. And then some other things that have really come to the forefront is trying to incorporate more plant-based proteins into what we're doing so that we do have less mm-hmm. waste because you can't do much with bones and mm-hmm. things like that when you're trying to deal with some of the unless you're able to shred them up and mm-hmm. and deal with them in that way. So we're just trying to have people be more mindful and try to have it more, you know, we're at an institute of higher learning. Mm-hmm. So we should be educating students in that realm mm-hmm. as to how they can be more sustainable. I think where we struggle is with our national brands who we have no control over what their packaging is mm-hmm. and things of that nature. And, um, you know, we've moved away from some national brands to create our own brands, but we still run into the problem that you were saying about, you know, we have compostable products, but then they're just going into the regular landfill. Right. So, so we're spending money to th- taking the money to throw something more expensive to throw something away where could we do something that with that money instead to educate people to how to get there. And so that's always, I mean, I saw a guy the other day standing right next to a recycle bin with a water bottle and he went to put, he put it in the garbage and I just yelled, dude, you know, <laughs> he's like, why? why? I said, it's right there. Yeah. You know, because mm. I'm, I'm originally from New York and I mean, we recycled everything when I lived in New York. Yeah. When I came here, I was like, only ones and twos? What's going on? <laughs> yeah. you know? So, but it, but that's part of the issue is that's the infrastructure right. becomes, becomes a hurdle. Mm-hmm. So we're really, it, it, like I said, globally, you know, we're challenging ourselves to reduce, you know, our greenhouse yeah. gas um, implications with better sourcing, um, 
working with our vendors to have better vehicles that produce less waste, obviously getting better about ordering. So we're seeing less trucks coming onto okay. campus and it just, it the sustainability piece for us is a, is a bigger piece than just the food waste mm -hmm. piece. Right. I think that's a really important point that you bring up. Um, we've been talking about this in the other episodes so far this season is stopping it at its source, right? Mm -hmm. So recycling is great, compost is great, but could you get to the point where you don't even have to compost or recycle as much, right? Stopping it at the source with the vendors, um, with the packaging, stuff Supply like that. Supply chain processes. Supply chain processes, yeah. yeah. I mean, we're in like the the hub of supply chain here, so yeah. I think that's a really important point to bring up and discuss. Mm -hmm. yeah. One thing that Charles does that I thought was really interesting, and I'm hoping you can tell us about, is the freight farm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, can I don't want to try to explain it. <laughs> well, you know, we, you know, just always thinking about ways to kind of do something new and different, and you know, I I'd seen a, a TV program actually about a couple who'd retired. And they got bored. And so, which I hope that never happens to me. I hope the retirement part <laughs> happens, but not the bored part. But so they went out and bought four. They lived up in Boston. There was a lot of farmer's markets and stuff. So they bought four of these freight farms and they started growing things and selling them to private restaurants mm -hmm. or farmer's markets. So said, you know, why don't we give that a whirl? We've got an ag school here and all that. So we brought the freight farm here and started growing um, a red leaf lettuce mm -hmm. and taking it to the different locations, taking it to the different dining halls. And then we just felt like, I was like, we're not getting the, the run for our money on it. So we created the wild greens concepts off of it. So the, where the lettuce goes there. So, um, yeah. and it's fun. We have interns that run that for us. Mm -hmm. um, we're actually doing a thing with the McMillan school. Mm -hmm. We're involved in a, in a program with them that we're, that's going to be one of our learning things where we're bringing some of the towers with them mm -hmm. to go. So could you explain a little bit for those listeners who may not know exactly what a freight farm is? Okay. Like so, what is that and how so does that work? A freight farm is an upcycled, which is meaning they took an old shipping container and they upcycled it to be a completely enclosed hydroponic growing system. Mm -hmm. So it's free from pests. 99.99 the door opens right, right. Um, <laughs> but it's free from pests. We use about 10 gallons of water a day mm -hmm. to grow Basically, we get a yield of about 600 heads a week based on the way we, we grow it in there. So um, if there's any students ever on campus that want to take a tour, they can reach out to me. I'm okay. pretty easy to get a hold of, and we can set up a tour. You can check it out. So, um, But it's awesome. been something that's been really, really neat for us. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's really cool. And especially since it's on campus, you can use that. Um, since it is sold at the, where the wild greens are, mm -hmm. it's right there. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's really easy. And you don't have to deal with shipping and anything like that. Yeah, it and just it goes right over there. Yeah, so yeah. we'd love to grow strawberries. Um, so we want to get <laughs> yeah. another one because nice. you have to have a lot more light to grow strawberries, or you get white berries. Um, so we're 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 looking <laughs> at what we're going to do. Yes, <laughs> a lot of light. So huh. yeah, and, and that's you know one of the observations that that we made as as we grew our business is a lot of the food that comes in to the area isn't grown here. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we've had a big jump in population growth, but the agricultural, the local agricultural support has not grown very much from mm -hmm. if you go back 25 years ago when it was a much mm -hmm. smaller place. So if, you know, God forbid the lights went out for a month, we would run out of food pretty quick. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and so, you know, what we, we have a residential program that's based in the markets at Rogers and Fayetteville. And, and what we want to do is we want to drive people to the markets. Mm -hmm. We our, our dream would be that every market was open every day and we would have locally grown food that people could come and pick. But you have to create a market. 
in, in, in sustainability, there has to be a market. If you're going to recycle something, there has to be a market for right. that. So, and that takes time and the, you know, the food system is super complex and it takes a lot of cooperation and people wanting to work with that. So we're, we're a couple steps down the road, but we've got a long ways to go. But, you know, I see 10 years from now where we'll grow a lot more food locally. And to your point, as far as using less resources to get food, that's probably the best way to do it if, if you're not having to ship it across the country or even from Little Rock or mm-hmm. Springfield or Tulsa. Right. And I, I think that fits into Food Loop's business model as far as I can tell as well. Since you do have, um, right, you have the compostable products, you also have the residential pickup, you have the commercial pickup, and you also have consulting services from mm-hmm. as far as I can tell on your website. Right. So I think that kind of shows that you're you're in the whole supply chain, right? Mm-hmm. You have the compost you have the compost from businesses, from residential sources to make the compostable products that then can be recomposted. Right. right? It's a cycle. So yeah. I think that's really interesting and it helps to drive the supply and the demand, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well and we get to talk to farmers too. Mm-hmm. I mean we're selling compost. We get to talk to landscapers because you know these are the people at the end of the day we can say this product is made from food waste that was diverted from the landfill that is better than any other compost you've had too. Right. I mean, it's more nutrient rich and it, and it's right here. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And we want to create products that match the area here. So from a commercial point of view, um, cow calf operations or hay operations. So turf would be the, the, the biggest commercial application of the land here. We also, um, we also are looking to create a natural fertilizer down the road to where you could fertilize your own lawn with, with uh, components of, of what we're recycling. Interesting. But, but to get back to your point on like kind of being from start to finish, I think a, a good example of that is you know, because we're in there delivering product and because we're also there taking away the waste, you know, I get the benefit, you know, as we deliver products of seeing what's on their shelves. Mm-hmm. Right. So I've been in I've been in places before where they're they've got lots of compostable products. We're getting them, um, but undoubtedly there's a portion cup that is a plastic number two whatever portion cup there. And I say, hey, you know what? That can't go in the compost. And and I say, and I haven't I can replace that. You know, yeah. we there's a compostable version of that. <clears throat> And so, but most folks delivering things would never identify that. When most compost facilities might not see that because they're not in there walking around seeing mm-hmm. those products. And so, there is an advantage for us to be doing that as well to make it a more streamlined, easy approach. I mean, and that, like I said, it's the system that's got to do the work. So, if we can go in there and replace those things um, and give them a home, it just makes it a lot easier than saying that product here, this product there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one thing that I was, you mentioned earlier about the residential pickup, how that is driving people to the markets. Can you talk a little bit more about what you do at each of the farmer's markets and what people can bring to these markets? Yeah. So, so it's a, it's a uh, individual version of what we do. It's not a, it's not a core business, but I mean, we had so many requests for people that, you know, they wanted to participate in some level. So it's a subscription business. So, so folks, They'll get a they'll get a uh, five gallon plastic bucket and they bring it to the market um, in Bentonville where they're Saturdays and Wednesdays and in Rogers where they're on Saturdays and they'll um, typically you know a, a 
a, a bigger family would get about five gallons, but five gallons works for, for most people. They bring it to the market and they drop it off for, drop it off to us and they get it, they get an empty bucket. Now, what's, what's beautiful about this is we get to meet them face to face. We get to <laughs> talk to them about who we are and what we do. And we've actually picked up a lot of commercial customers because they're shopping in the markets. And it's just a great way for us to get our feelers out. And like Michael was talking about, kind of understand the, you know, the lay of the market and what people want to do. Now we're, you know, you think about it, we're actually asking them to do a lot. I mean, they're, they're paying us to take food waste that they could throw away in their regular service. And not only that, they have to bring it to us. But but again, it, it works, and and you know we, uh, right now we have several customers that live in Fayetteville, and they'll drive all the way up into Benton County to mm -hmm. drop off that because they feel so strongly about it. Mm -hmm. And so we want to encourage that. You know, we we think, or at least I think, about fifteen percent of the people are really in this to win it. There's eighty five percent of people who are kind of into it or don't do anything at all. And so our focus is really on the 85%, but we kind of we kind of get our talking points and we learn a lot from those 15% of people who are very creative in, in, in how they handle their food waste. And that's another thing too, um, you were talking earlier about what uh, compostable waste does in a landfill. Mm -hmm. I had no idea that yeah. since it was it's an anaerobic process that it creates methane and it's actually worse than if you would just throw something else in there, right? We always think about Carbon, carbon dioxide, CO2, right, as the problem, like one of the biggest greenhouse gases that is causing a problem. And yes, it is, but methane, as you said earlier, is even worse. Mm -hmm. So if you're thinking, oh, I have a banana peel, I'll just throw that in the trash, that doesn't matter. It's it's compostable, it's in the trash, it won't do anything. Mm -hmm. But it actually is almost worse, mm -hmm. right? That's what you're saying. So yeah. that's really interesting, and it helps to um, spread that knowledge, right? I'm glad that we discussed that, because that's something a lot of people may not be aware of. Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting what Tom said about the 15% because I think for any movement, right, because it is a movement when you, mm -hmm. you know, you're trying to get people to change their behavior. I think that's, you know, the, the cool thing about having them come to the farmer's market and maybe the, and their business people and things like that. It's It's got to start somewhere with those 15% because peer management is really how a movement gets going, right? right? So until you get a group of people saying, hey, why, like what I did with the guy with right. the dude, you know, until you get, you can't be propping your own land as much information as yeah. you can give them, right? So I think that's really where it needs yeah. to start is, is getting mm -hmm. other people to help educate other yeah. people, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. and, and and that's, I think, you know, I know this town is pretty passionate about yeah, that. So, much are. Um, yeah. I think, you know, that's one thing that Charles does really well that where I see like anytime I'm in where the, where the, how's it? Where, where the wild greens where are. Where the wild greens are. Okay. Um, where you can see on the wall, like just how the process works and they kind of tell you about that process, which I love. That's my favorite salad place. But, uh, I'm just curious, can you talk a little bit more about the education piece? Like how do you, in your experience, like how do you get people to understand what that process is like? How do you get people to move things from the trash can to the recycling bin or what do you what kind of work do y'all do with students well we do collaborate with student groups mm -hmm. and we really try to you know in any kind of events that we can go to to help educate people you know the beginning of the school year obviously uh, going to floor meetings and talking to different ras and trying to get students educated on what we do mm -hmm. um, i think one of the, the the things that is is difficult for people is you know to your point everybody it's convenient for people to throw away so you know, 
for, for us to look at as a campus, how do we educate people to understand that there's different garbage cans and recycle bins and all the, right. all, all over campus instead of, a, you know, a homogenized version of you always recognize that this is the place to throw a bottle or this is the place to put compostables mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So, you know, we're working with student groups to say, how can we, how can we initiate something like that? So that from building to building, it doesn't look like I'm trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're certainly working with the food recovery group and the VAC. Um, you know, the food recovery program has been a great program for us as far as, you know, um, any food that we're not going to repurpose. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's just been a fantastic program for us. But it's been fantastic for us because the students are running it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of our campuses, students say, oh, we want Chartwells to do X, Y, Z. And it means Chartwells does it. And I think the reason why that the the program here is so successful is because it has become a true legacy program here on campus where I've been here five and a half years and the program just gets getting stronger when mm-hmm. the people leave. So there is, a, you know, there is a, that, that it's part of the campus culture with the pantry mm-hmm. and with, with other places around town. Um, you know, we just can continue to try to hammer it out with people being mindful and, um, you know, with our social media and, and try to make people mm-hmm. understand about being more socially responsible. You know? mm-hmm. I mean, you definitely see it. I mean, we definitely have reduced a lot of our waste. We've definitely, you know, we've worked with student groups to eliminate any styrofoam and catering mm-hmm. unless it's specifically asked for, um, which generally it's not. Um, so, you know, we're really trying to listen to the students and make sure that we're responding in a way that is meeting the needs of the students. Right. And, and there is a little pain involved. And, and, mm-hmm. I, and I think that the pain can be good in that I know when we do an event we set up way stations like mm-hmm. you were talking the momentary we, we have a way station so that's a little inconvenient for people that they have to kind of look to see where they're going to dispose of that but what I, what we find a lot of times particularly with that 85% is it's maybe for the first time in their life they really think about what they're throwing away mm-hmm. and you take that home and then all of a sudden you're thinking about oh wow look I'm, I'm throwing a lot of stuff away I wonder if there's a better way and we call that we call that gravity. Mm-hmm. Once once we engage somebody like that and they start thinking about the, their lifestyle or what they're doing in their in their business, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Well, gosh, that that seems a little extreme, but I got to do something." That's when gravity. And you know what? I think people tend to want to do the right thing, but we have to make it easy for them to do it, mm-hmm. and we have to we have to create a clear path. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things for us too is we would love to start a sustainability task force with students. Um, you know, like we go to the meetings, we have a team of people that rotate around to the meetings that Eric Bolt has over the sustainability. Mm-hmm. Um, but we really like to have a, a cross section of students as part of a sustainability task force that we work with that, you know, resident students, non-resident students to really work and help to what Tom was saying, that be that 15% that helps educate their mm-hmm. peers on what mm-hmm. was going on. Because I think if you can show people the full loop of what's going on, which you guys are doing, right? It's like, what's the end result for it for me? Because I think that's what students are always wondering, or anybody's always wondering about, oh, I filled out 10 reports today. What are they doing with it? If you can see that, okay, if you throw this much away here, here's what it does. And so I think that's a piece that we could use some help from the students of what would be the best impact for that. Do we come up with some way to gamify being more sustainable through an app where people right. get rewards for chartwell states? There's all sorts of things that with technology, I think would really, really be helpful. Actually, we're working on that with the university mm-hmm. with a with an app through Blackboard where we can give people points for doing 
eating better, for doing the right things. Yeah. Um, it's a little slow moving right now, but I, we'll get there <laughs> for sure. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, but I think certainly that gamification piece is really, really big with almost everybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think just the awareness mm-hmm. of that something like that existing already creates attention. I'm still blown away by the 80,000 tons in local landfills. Just like opening with that to me was really it's amazing. Yeah. One third I, I had of no all idea. food produced gets yeah. thrown away. It's, I had it's no sad. Idea. Yeah. It's sad when you think about the world and how yeah. hungry people are. Yeah. It's really sad. And, and it's bad habits. Mm-hmm. It's bad mm-hmm. habits. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's, it, it's, it's really interesting because if you go back and look at, there's a, I think there's a great piece. I think it's called portion distortion. And if you go back and you look at what a bagel looked like in the 60s and what a bagel looks like now, we, we've kind of done it through all of our marketing. You know, you ever been to the Cheesecake Factory? I mean, you get a portion there that's enough for three so people. Huge, and yeah. it's, and I think we're starting to slowly see that turn that, um, you know, that struggle between I can eat better food that's healthy for me. And I don't have to eat as much. So, yeah, while, while healthy food may cost you more money, you're not spending any more money because you're buying less of what you would buy of right. crappy food. And so right. um, that's another area that I think that's really important when you think about sustainability and as far as sustaining you as a person and your health. Mm-hmm. You know, people don't have great access everywhere in the rural areas to what is is good food. And so they wind mm-hmm. up buying a lot of packaged stuff. The Dollar General becomes their grocery store, right? Mm-hmm. So they wind up buying a lot of packaged products that you know has a lot of waste associated with it and isn't great for them. And so I think there's a really big education piece on mm-hmm. what's, what's an actual portion? What do you really need to sustain yourself with right. and eat better? Right. You know? I grew up in one of those really rural spaces where the, the Dollar Generals are ever, everywhere for people who don't know that. <laughs> In the like, rural area, there's a Dollar General. And that's very, very much true. Uh, fortunately for my family, we farmed a lot. So we grew a lot of our own food, which I think is how I got into food recovery, food waste as an interest. And I worked with Tricycle yeah. uh, temporarily. Okay. I volunteered there for a bit doing food recovery. And what's interesting is uh, some of the spaces that y'all work in at Food Loops and the kind of waste that comes out of some of these spaces. So at Tricycle, we would go to like Whole Foods mm-hmm. or um, not Whole Foods, uh, Ozark Natural Foods. And we would collect all of the blemished uh, produce, which mm-hmm. to me was really surprising because they would be perfectly ripe bananas, very much still edible all the produce very much still edible, but it's the consumer that demands a blemish free fruit or vegetable when it's not necessarily, there's no reason to do that. It's just purely aesthetic. And so we would get that kind of food. Half of it's donated and the other half is composted, but it's just working in those programs. I came to realize how much food was being wasted because of consumer demands, not necessarily you know, uh, company, you know, I'm sure companies but, would use products if, right. if consumers demanded them. Right. But consumer demand comes off of marketing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Consumer, right. So right. it's, 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 you know, when you, when you think about, we call it imperfectly delicious produce, right? I, mm-hmm. That's what our, that's what we are, you know, sourcing. Mm-hmm. We've got carrots and celery that come in that are, look a little funky, you know, right. but we're cooking with them. So who cares? Yeah, right. Exactly. And so I, I think that's, that's a really big deal for people. Is it still nutritious? It's still fine for you. I mean, and, and, but that's all, you know, you don't look at a magazine and they display. Ugly fruit, highlight right? so, right, bananas. so, but, but that requires, that requires, you know, a, a different mindset for people and understanding. Right. Yeah. So, and that's like this summer when I was going through and doing store audits for Walmart, uh, one of the things we looked for in the produce and fresh section was like 
blemished produce or brown meat, right? right? And so I had an interesting experience where I was going through looking at brown meat, and uh, one of the customers came up and started talking about the brown meat. And they were saying, I love getting brown meat here. It's the most tender. Uh, just because it doesn't look great, it tastes way much better. Right. so much better because the proteins have broken down all of this. And so it just got me thinking because a lot of times if you're unaware of, like, it may look bad, but to some people, and one man's trash is another person's treasure. Right. Yeah. So there are ways to go about that and kind of go away from all the marketing that, oh, this is bad, this looks bad, so it is bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's something that's been really interesting mm-hmm. um, that kind of opened my eyes to what was being done about that. Because mm-hmm. we were instructed to tell them to pull it off the shelves mm-hmm. um, because it it hurts their marketing, right? right. Uh, if, they're, if they have brown meat out there, then that's something they're not supposed to do. But mm-hmm. in reality, there are customers that would prefer it. Right. Mm-hmm. So that was just really interesting to me. It's it's interesting. So when I lived in New York, Wegmans is a pretty big grocery chain, and they they were Whole Foods kind of before there was Whole Foods, mm-hmm. and one of the first grocery chains to have an executive chef at each store. Mm-hmm. And they would do what you Ryan, what you were saying about the audits, but then they turned that into their market items, right? Mm-hmm. So it was that whole okay, it, I can't serve the, I, the customer's not going to buy this, but what can I do to make composed salad or make a a beef stew or do whatever, mm-hmm. and that. It's pretty smart because grocery right. stores run on a razor thin margin, right? right. right? So, uh, you know, and I think that whole market concept is not only great for the consumer, but it's also great for helping with that food waste. Yeah, mm-hmm. and Walmart's been, uh, they've implemented the CVP, uh, Customer Value Program, right. so that brown meat or something they could mark down to a lower price mm-hmm. in order to sell it more quickly um, and get it off their shelves. So, win win right? yeah. at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. I think that just like boils down to education. If you can, as a consumer, if you can be informed about the products that you're purchasing, that you can reuse, that you can, one, you can use brown meat, two, you can use blemish produce. Maybe you don't, maybe you you cook with it in a different way. Like you mentioned the beef stew or, you know, do something different with it. But I think that just has a lot to do with like how we're thinking about the food that we're eating. Hmm. So can you talk a little bit, uh, Food Loops, about your waste reduction consulting? So that's kind of along the same veins about education mm-hmm. um, and how you're educating these companies about how to reduce waste. Yeah, no, it's a really important first step for us, uh, especially for a large client uh, that has been throwing things away almost exclusively mm-hmm. for you know however long they've been there. So what we'll do is we'll go in and we'll do a waste audit. Uh, and so that waste audit is, is step one. Uh, well, we will take every bag from that day or that week and we will tear that bag open and we will separate them all. Uh, and then we, and that gives us a lot of data, right? So then we can say to them, you know, uh, hey, your food waste is this much percentage of your, of your mix. Your, um, and if they're using a disposable product, whether that's styrofoam, whatever, we can say, hey, this is this much of your percentage. So if you were to switch to a, 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 you know, a Food Loops composting uh, system, we would divert 40, 50, whatever it is, percent of your waste. And then we can also pull out the bottles. We can also pull out um, you know, anything that is in there. I mean, we, we separate into like nine categories. Um, and then, then that also is really good uh, data for them uh, to give to decision makers too. So um, oftentimes you've got a person who's uh, running the cafeteria or they're running, uh, uh, you know, whatever's going on within that program. Uh, I'm thinking of a couple places we've done uh, very large offices with cafeterias in them. Mm-hmm. They're not the decision maker on whether it's going to be 
who's going to be pulling food waste or who's what dumpster company they're using. But with all this data, they can give that ammo to the person and say, hey, I would love for us to become a more sustainable facility. If we do this program based on this data, we're going to divert X amount out of here, which is powerful. Mm-hmm. And and for the, you know, it, for the corporations we work with, they typically have goals, right? They've got a solid waste goal within their sustainability measures. And, uh, and they can reach those goals by X year in supply chain. They can reach the energy goals by, you know, whatever year, but they really struggle with solid waste. I mean, it's just a category that is, is messy and is sticky and there's been no one to say yes to, right? I mean, you can have a sustainability goal that says, I want to collect food waste, but if there's no one to take it, it's not going anywhere, right? right. So now we offer that audit as an entry point and then we offer the service as something that you can finally say yes to. Yeah. And, and when you're talking with an individual customer, and, and a you know, restaurant's going to be different than a hotel, which is going to be different than an office building, uh, which is going to be different than an event. So you have to have like a custom, uh, uh, you know, a custom solution for them. But what you also find out is you find out that there are other problems. We've, we've been focused uh, uh on apartment complexes because there are, I think there's like 40 apartment complexes in Northwest Arkansas that are 300 units or bigger. So you can imagine the food waste there. And we and we're having really nice dialogue. And so, you know, typically we'll network, but then a question that we'll ask is, well, what's your biggest problem? You know what the biggest problem is in apartment complexes? Mattresses. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what happens to all the mattresses in Northwest Arkansas? It, you know, some of them do get picked up at a, at a residential area, but they all end up in the landfill. Mm. So, again, you know, we, we're, we're creating, you know, more opportunities all the time, but it's that awareness that, okay. you know, talking to that customer and, and uh, you know, there, there are a lot of problems out there that need to be identified. And there's a lot of businesses. So, you know, you, you guys want to, um, encourage people to become entrepreneurs mm-hmm. and to get into different businesses in a circular economy business. There's all sorts of things, but you have to, you have to, you know, how feasible is it to mm-hmm. get it? And then what do you do with it after you get it? Uh, you know what? So in a mattress from, from what we've understood, we've actually visited a mattress plant up in Missouri and they, they're able to recycle 95% of the materials that go into a mattress. Mm-hmm. So that seems fairly fa- favorable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, another thing uh, you brought up and you also Andrew brought up earlier about data, right? Running those reports in the back office um, mm-hmm. about how much waste is being thrown away. Running those reports when you're doing the consulting services and showing the company the data about how much they could be averting um, all of that. I think it brings up the importance of data in really um, either convincing people that there is a problem or showing them how they can fix the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so have you been, uh, have you seen that the data collection is really beneficial in terms of getting things done or what have you seen with that? I think the having a scorecard is, mm-hmm. is, is the way to go. I mean, uh, just as it is an individual, the scorecard makes you feel like you're part of something and you see the results of what you're doing. We do a, a whole week where we do project clean plate where people from VAC come 
and they help us measure how much food waste is there. And then the improvement the following week, the reduction the following week, we take that amount of poundage and we give to the food pantry. So it's a it's an awareness of that, you know, if you can manage food waste and, and reduce your food waste, hey, look what you could give back to people who don't have. So it's it's a really good scorecard method for us. And then as far as our our other that I told you, our waste not program it kind of it becomes a competition between the different buildings because everybody can see the report every week mm -hmm. and it's not about the amount it's the percentage because every building does a little bit of different but it's we base it on what percentage of your food are you wasting so it becomes a bit of a competition between the different buildings to say hey I, we, we're behind or we didn't do as well as we did last week and they make that as part of their pre-service meetings with their teams and things like that because it can't just be one person in the unit making mm -hmm. it happen just like it can't be you going to a restaurant on telling them what to do and then right. leaving it they do the go back to the same habit it takes a village you know and it mm -hmm. needs everybody to be included in it and so i think that data piece is is huge mm -hmm. yeah yeah and i think it also helps with retention as well uh you know you can pick up food waste all all day but i think when you send them that number it says hey we diverted six tons of food waste out of your restaurant this past quarter that's a powerful number yeah. Um, and especially, you know, for events as well, when, you know, after every event, we send them, you know, a paragraph that says you diverted this much, this percentage, this of each category. And that is just, it's a, it's a gratifying moment where they can say, okay, we did the right thing and it worked. Yeah. Um, and I think cool. that helps build the culture and, and, you know, that we keep spreading that. Right. It's a great marketing tool too. Yeah, Cause I, sure. I love to attend events that have like food waste reco food recovery or anything and then that, so i learned about the charles food recovery and, and also the volunteer action center because they came and collected food from an event that we were working and that was the first yeah. time i had or and went, an event i was attending in the walton college and that was the first time i had heard of them and so i think just like having them around was, re was a really interesting experience but it's also like kind of made everyone in the room aware of like where our food was going, which is really impactful. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. I mean, to think that there's people hungry, right. especially young children. Right. Going to school. I mean, it, that's sad. Right. I mean, I don't know how anybody can't think that's really sad and it's not an issue. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, I just, mind boggling. Yeah. I didn't deal with it. And in, I'm for, I, you're fortunate that you didn't because there are people that are dealing with it. Right. It's really sad. I think the number from the VAC, the Volunteer Action Center, for those of you who might not know what that is, was I think it's thir what is it thirty five percent of student or students on campus are food insecure. Yep. Um, yep. So I mean I know they're doing we're trying to do things. There's a Volunteer Action Center food pantry. There's also a food pantry, a little food pantry in the Walton College, mm -hmm. and several other ones around campus um, that work on a take what you need, give what you can basis. Right. So you can. I know there's one in the Walton College in room 255. I'm not sure where the other ones are, but I know that you can reach out to the Volunteer Action Center and access those food pantries on campus if you're interested. And we provide student affairs with an amount of money to use for students that do have hardships for, mm, for awesome. meal plan scholarships and, and things of that nature. Okay. That, that you know, Because they maybe they get a scholarship to go here, but they don't have quite enough to cover a meal plan. Food, so it, yeah. as part of what we do as a give back to the university. So. Mm. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I didn't yeah. know about that. Yeah. <laughs> so we've been asking this question. Uh, we, I know we've talked a lot about all these different perspectives on sustainability, uh, what each of you are doing in your respective roles with sustainability. But if you could boil down sustainability to about one sentence, one to two sentences each, 
Um, what does sustainability mean to each of you? You know, it's a good question. I, you know, I, I look at it as, you know, what's old is new again. You know, mm-hmm. I grew up on a farm also, and, you know, it was waste not want not. And, you know, we, we uh, you know, one of the things that is, is, a, you know, is part of our tagline is waste nothing. And, and we really try to live up to that. So, I, you know, I would say sustainability is wasting nothing, but, you know, creating a, 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 a you know, a circular business model that, that just uh, continues to recreate itself. Good answer. You know, they they say in nature nothing is wasted, Mm -hmm. right? And uh, so I guess my simple answer would be, you know, we're tagging into nature. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, it's natural processes and, um, and, you know, you know, I like that our, t- our name is Food Loops uh, and, uh, you know, just the word loop, you know, you think of just the shape of it and the, the circularity, the, you know, it's coming around. Um, right. So those would be the things I would define it as. I'm not probably going to be as quite as esoteric as you guys are. <laughs> um, to me, I think it's, it's community, really. I, I think it, it's, it's stopping and thinking about what you do and the impact that you make and how it affects other people. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, to that's that's the biggest thing for me is is recognizing that you know we do have a lot we are fortunate but there are a lot of people that aren't as fortunate and so what can we do from a sustainability aspect to make our community better and consequently make our individuals better well thank you all so much for joining us i think yeah, we learned a lot about you. thanks uh, yeah, thank for you guys. yeah it's great <laughs> thanks so much um yeah. if students or our listeners are more interested in learning about what you do, can you just give us um, a way to reach out to you or what your website is so they can access your information? Uh, we are foodloops.net. Uh, you can find us on Instagram or Facebook, foodloopsnwa. Those are probably the best places. Yeah. All right. Yep. And we're uh, food on the hill underscore um, AR. But you can also find us on our dining website and just pretty much any one of our managers can tell you how to get a hold of us on campus. Um, and we'd love to integrate with students and educate students and, and get your point of view. So we're going to learn from you. Awesome. Thank awesome. you so much. Thank you so much. Thanks. Cool. Yeah, that was a great conversation.